Ever dreamt of quitting your job, selling your possessions, and traveling the world? We did, and now we're making it a reality and a podcast. Welcome to Live Let Rome, a travel podcast. I'm Christy. And this is Eric. Join us on our travel adventures as we look to educate and inspire you to travel more and get the most out of each travel experience. Welcome to Episode 7 of Live Let Rome. Join us as we explore the lesser-known Spanish city of Zaragoza. Zaragoza lies in the northeastern part of Spain, just about 190 miles or 310 kilometers west from Barcelona. It has a population of 670,000, which is comparable to my home city of Detroit, Michigan. Just a few quick facts, Zaragoza is the fifth largest city in Spain and the capital of the region of Aragon. The name is derived from the Romans and Greeks calling the city Caesar Augusta, with the Arabic translation of Saracosta. And Francisco de Goya was born just south of Zaragoza, and it is one of the best places to view his works. Where do we stay and how long? So we stayed in Zaragoza for three days, four nights, and we stayed in the Old Town neighborhood of Casco Antiguo, which translates to Old Town. So Zaragoza, where the heck is that? We're told you where it was. How did we land on that? So part of our compromise in our travels is me and Eric were deciding where we go, and we constantly butt heads about where we want to go. Of course, he's driven by food. I'm driven by art or uniqueness. And in this uniqueness, I was determined to get to these micro countries or these smaller countries. And that was Andorra. Now, in some of these smaller countries, when you're taking these trips, it's often not worth the time if you have a short stay, let's say like a week to stray off your path to visit this little lesser known country. Now that we have the luxury of more time, I am determined to get to these places. So Andorra was one of those first countries. And Zaragoza happens to land in the perfect transportation spot to get there. Now, Zaragoza is kind of dead center in between Bilbao and Barcelona. And in terms of figuring the navigation, and we figured that it was relatively easy, just short of about three and a half hours from Zaragoza to get to Andorra. So we thought, let's stay a couple days in Zaragoza, relax a little and not rush to Andorra. Now, what was great about Zaragoza is we didn't even realize how great this city is in terms of exploring its own. That's something that we'll talk about a little bit later. Now, how to get around. The bus system in Spain is one of the best ways to get around. So we took the bus from Bilbao to Zaragoza, which was the easiest and actually the quickest and only took about three hours. Once arrived, the local bus system was super easy, a little bit easier than Bilbao, and that's how we located our Airbnb. Staying near the old town of Zaragoza, the sites were very walkable. You have the river to your one side and you just walk around an arc. So there's a lot to see in a small vicinity to keep you busy. So it's a place that once you stay in the old town, you don't really need extra transportation or tour buses, all these things to see the sites. We did notice some, there are a lot of cool parks that were on the outer vicinities. And that's something that we're interested in maybe down in the future to come and visit, but it's definitely worth a visit to come see Zaragoza for its old town and its surrounding areas. We want to talk a little bit about our budget when we travel. We've received some feedback from some of our listeners that they would like more details around our travel budgets. 
So moving forward, we thought it would be useful to share some of these details on our stays. We are also working on a new episode detailing our expenses from our adventures. Zaragoza, to date, was one of the most inexpensive cities we have visited on our travels. Our comfortable Airbnb was just around $41 per night. Our place, as Christy said, was very comfortable, and it was located in walking distance to all the major attractions. So more details to come on our total trip spend and budget on future episodes. If you have a question from now till then or would like more details, please feel free to drop us an email at liveletrome at gmail.com. So before we jump into our standout moments, let's discuss some of our overall impressions of Zaragoza. So Christy, we were there for a couple days. What was your impression of Zaragoza as a place to visit in Spain? I had mentioned this earlier that Zaragoza, we had just stumbled upon it as a transport city. We were going from one location to another location and we really didn't feel like sitting on the bus for six hours. So we decided to create a break in between. And that break was Zaragoza. What was great about it was that it felt really welcoming. The people were very helpful. The signs were very helpful. It was really easy to navigate, which sometimes when you're visiting a different land, everything is new. It's that stress of trying to figure out A and B. And I feel like Zaragoza itself was so accessible in the sense of being able to figure out relatively quickly. And I really like that about the town. Yeah, I would say the words comfortable, safe, convenient, fun. I would describe Zaragoza, and to be honest, it's probably my favorite city so far on our trip. It had the interesting aspects, and the history was all around us, but it felt very comfortable, similar to a Midwest city or town, like very welcoming, and the people were cool and friendly. Not that the other places weren't, but it just seemed a little bit more open than other places we visited. Yeah, it was one of those cities that you didn't feel like you have to be the cool kid to kind of fit in. It was just regular folks going about their day in a beautifully organized city. And I really like that about it. What was one funny, interesting, or weird moment from our experience at Zaragoza? Okay, we have two to talk about. The first one is the one I can't stop talking about. And that was the talking bird. So our Airbnb was located above two vet clinics and... During the day, we noticed that we can hear a couple dogs and a couple birds going and we're like, oh, okay. But then it was interesting because we started noticing the next morning a whistle and we're like, okay, is that a person? And then at first we were going back and forth, right, Eric? Yeah. You're like, oh, that's a person. <laughs> that's not a bird. But then we started hearing cat calls, other interesting sounds. Well, that's what made us think it was a person. We're like, okay, who's doing that? If somebody is messing with us. They know it's an Airbnb. They're all like, okay, let's go mess with these fools next to us. And but we were laughing. It sounded like a video game, too. It was like a loud video game going. We didn't know what it was. Well, it was a collection of noises, so it can be anything. And we were laughing. So we decided when looking a little bit further, they were like, this has got to be a bird because no human has enough patience to make this sound to talk to us for this long. It's got to be a bird. So we got into our regular morning routine is that we would open the window to 
whistle to this bird to see if it will respond. And I know Eric was having fun with that. We were playing some voice recordings of him talking to this bird. And what would make me laugh about this bird is that he's kind of whistling back because I'm not the whistler. He's doing little cat calls. He's responding and even blowing a little kiss. Yeah. And one of the fun things we're doing on our podcast is we're trying to record some of the sounds from different places we're visiting. So this was one of those perfect moments. finding out who this was when I finally near our last day I was hanging out the window because I need to see who this magical creature was and when I was leaning out of the window to Eric's fright I actually got to peer down and see that it was an African gray parrot and then he had there was another cage of its backup singers the cockatiels but we were just so happy I was like okay it's proof we're not crazy it's a bird and he is so entertaining. It's their feathered alarm clock. Yes. My favorite is also when he made the text message sound. I have to say that because that was my favorite part. Chrissy, what was another weird or interesting moment from our experience? Okay. I did mention there were two things that we wanted to talk about. The second one was we heard a lot of what appeared to be fireworks or explosion. And we heard it, I would say, two days, maybe the loudest. But I know it started throughout a couple days. And... From the first day, we kind of heard it in the distance, and I was like, why are there fireworks? When we had gone to lunch, it was one of the following days. We heard the fireworks the day before, and then it was when we were having lunch, we noticed that we were in this place, and we started hearing the fireworks again. We're like, okay, but this time, it literally fell outside the door. I mean, the tables were almost shaking. It was loud. At this point, (laughs) to me, it sounded like, oh, okay, are they demolishing a building? Is there a timed explosive to go down? I was like, okay, this is a little too close for comfort. Civil unrest in Zaragoza. Maybe the uh, trucker strike that was going on. They were getting unruly. Oh, I was ready to duck and cover. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so we ended up finding out. It was so loud. And it eventually calmed down. I would say it was going on for about a solid five to ten minutes easy. And at this point, I was like, this is too loud. This is something specific going on. Because at the same point we're hearing this, none of the other people are batting an eye. They don't even seem bothered. They're like, oh, by the way, would you like more water? Like, it's not even a problem. One other person did. I don't think they're from Zaragoza. Did get up at the table across the restaurant and peer out the window. So there was one nervous person in the restaurant. But everyone else, yeah, was like, this is daily life. And this city, if you were there, it's so peaceful and easygoing. It just was an anomaly. So we ended up after our meal, which was a delicious meal, we got back. I got to figure out what this was because this is too loud to be regular thing. So now I'm Googling news to see loud bangs, fireworks, Zaragoza. And this is where I found what it finally was. Turns out what this was kind of like, say, a visiting festival. And it's coming from Alicante and Valencia, I guess. And this festival is made up of a celebration of fireworks and 
fire effigies and like a celebration of the culture of that area. And I guess they take it on tour. So in this region, they take it up to different cities every year to share in this revelry. And Zaragoza was the city. It was called the Mascleta. It was very interesting. The Pièce de Résistance was the final night. It was Sunday at 10 p.m. It was the showstopper. And I would compare it to in the USA when they have the July 4th fireworks spectacular ending and constant. That's basically yeah. what it sounded that Sunday night. What was weird is the ones during the day. I think those are the ones that caught us off guard. So let's just say Zaragoza has a lot of interesting auditorial sounds from birds to loud M80s going outside your restaurant. Yes. So you can find this festival, the Alicante Mascleta, but you probably won't find this talking bird unless you <laughs> go, go directly to this vet clinic. So now we're going to discuss our standout moments from Zaragoza. And I'm going to start off with Plaza de España. What I like to do after I check into the Airbnb, I give Christy a little chance to take a little nap, a little cat nap. I have to send them off to keep them busy (laughs) so I can have my nap. And so what I like to do is take a walk around the surrounding area to see what's nearby, both restaurants and take some pictures and things like that. And on this time, I wandered off near the river, near the outskirts of the city and stumbled into Plaza de España. And this is one of the largest city squares I've ever seen. Actually, it was huge. (laughs) To give comparison, it's about the size of Ford Field back to Detroit with the surrounding parking lots. So it's pretty big for an old square. You have this super large cathedral and it was just amazing to see. So once I've had my nap, Eric came back shortly after walking and said, oh my God, I just saw all the coolest stuff. I took tons of pictures. I can't (laughs) wait to we go and walk around. So we did walk around and we went to the center and and this is definitely a jewel in this city. Plaza España, he mentioned Ford Field. For everybody who don't know what that is, everybody's a Detroit listener here. Similar to the width of a football field. Yeah, so it's blocked off from traffic. So you're just people walking and watching. And the one side is more part of the older town and the historic buildings, architectural buildings. They have a centerpiece of the Goya Monument. And on the other side is where this modern waterfall is and near the Central Market, which we'll talk about. And the great thing that we did that we didn't notice when we were wandering into this centerpiece We saw a ton of people collected together in this little square. We were wondering, okay, something's happening. We have to stay and kind of peruse around. So we worked our way up a little. And then we saw after the noon bells rang, this choir. So there was a gathering of people. This choir director came in and they, beautiful singing starting. We'll play a couple. We'll play a clip from the singing. It was really cool. It was on a Sunday and it just kind of took over this huge plaza in Zaragoza. So yeah, it was a nice surprise bonus that we didn't expect. So it was beautiful. Yeah. So here's a clip from that moment.
Next, on the other side of Plaza de España, I just want to talk a little bit about Central Market, the Mercado Central. This is another standout moment because it was one of the best examples of a fresh food produce market I've ever seen. Super clean, artistically designed fruits, vegetables, meat, fish, chocolates. It was just, it wasn't huge, but it was just super quality. And I just really enjoyed walking through there and snapping some pictures. It was a beautiful market. I know the motivation, of course, Eric, it <laughs> loves to look at the food for me. I was trying to look for a snack. You were craving uh, turon. Turon. So I was craving turon, something that I had with my aunt when we visited Barcelona, and I loved it. Now, turon, I'll explain a little bit what that is for those who don't know what that is. It's basically a nut nougat kind of flavor. I would compare it to like peanut brittle or I would say like a taffy. Turon is made in two ways. So there are two styles of making it. One is the brittle, so it's harder. So literally you look like you're almost going to lose a tooth as you're eating this. And the second one is more taffy-like. So it's a little softer, both chock full of nuts and something that I do love. Yeah, and it was almonds, I think, in this one? Yes, almond. Turon can be made with a lot of things traditionally. I know the Spanish versions are made with almonds. I know there's different versions when it comes to Italy and different ones. I was looking up what the difference is. But I do love the Spanish versions because there's like extra nuts and I love it. They do make it with different kind of nuts, but the almond is my favorite. Yeah, and I opted for the chocolate-covered pineapple. Zaragoza is known for their chocolate and chocolate shops all over the place. It was really tasty. So we had a little break. We sat and Chrissy was munching on her Tyrone. I was eating this chocolate-covered pineapple. And it was just a great ending to this experience around Plaza de España and this market. So check out our companion blogs. We have more pics of this amazing market so you can see it. Mm -hmm. So next on the food and drink category, I'm just going to cover a restaurant we tried called Molrepa, which is an authentic Venezuelan restaurant located in Zaragoza. And we had something called the Patacon. Christy, maybe you can describe a little bit more about what that was. So for me, the Spanish tapas, it's that slow eating little bits. And for me, I kind of need more sustenance and I need a little bit more food and I crave comfort. I love paprika as much as the next person, <laughs> but sometimes I have to move on. And for that moving on, this was a great little selection that Eric found for us to eat was at Mola Repa. And it was a Venezuelan place. They had arepas that were different, which I never really had arepas. And I was like, oh, yeah, let me try that. But what I saw on the menu was this sandwich. And the sandwich was made with green plantains fried, similar to like a tostone. And they're basically the bread on the sandwich. It was green plantains. Then it had meat and beans and tons of cheese. And we even got a side of avocado on top of it as well. And it was really, really delicious. Something that nice and filling and we came back here twice because i loved it so much yeah. and the beef was like a shredded ropa vieja seasoned shredded flank steak or skirt steak inside it was just really tasty and we split one right it was like eight euros i think for this huge plate it was delicious with the salty cheese and it was really really good yeah so and they had different varieties they had chicken you can get you can get the beef, we got the beef, or you can get the pork, the different versions. But it was filling and worth our And what money. was that drink you had? It was some unusual juice that you can't get typically. You'll find these more in the Spanish aisles of a lot of stores in the U.S. And that's guanabana. And I Guanabana. I know, I know. It's one of those <laughs> things that I can say in Spanish, but I don't really recall what they're said in English. 
It's not quite the guava, the pink flavor. It's almost like a milky pear kind of juice. It's something that's delicious and I'm familiar with it because it's a very popular fruit in the Caribbean islands. Yeah, so after visiting Morepa, we wanted dessert. We wanted to try something different. So we wandered down their main street in Zaragoza where a lot of the cafes are. And I tried for the first time authentic Spanish vermouth, which mm -hmm. was really neat. It was really unique. I you think vermouth is like a mixer for a martini. This was like made through walnuts and it's like dark in color. It has a nice caramely flavor. Yeah, I thought of it as clear like a martini, but yeah, it was more rich and dark amber color. And I've never had Spanish vermouth. I've always wanted to try it. So I did that and we had this nice cake with it. It was just a nice little cafe for dessert. So that was really good. And I just want to highlight like these meals and experiences are very affordable in Zaragoza. So I think dinner was eight euros or drink maybe 10 euros at most. The cake and the vermouth was like six euros. So we're talking at tops, maybe 17 euros for dinner. And you're filled, you you know, had a drink and dessert and it's really tasty. So really good. And just general alcohol in Spain, watch out a little bit. It's pretty inexpensive from my experiences compared to U.S. standards. And I think it's because of the taxes. Maybe there's less tax. But I really kind of enjoyed these 2 to $3 really nice drinks that they had. And in the grocery store, I actually took a picture of a 79-cent bottle of wine, which... I didn't choose that one, but I'm sure it's actually drinkable. Yeah, so, and it's drinkable alcohol where you can get some cheap liquors in the States, but they'll burn the inside of your stomach. Maybe it's the culture in terms of drinking and alcohol here that is totally different. Yeah, so really enjoyed that. So last but not least is El Corte Gastro Bar. This was a beautiful experience from beginning to end. Again, I researched. I wanted to visit one of these jamón bars to sit down and have the true Iberico Boleta Pata Negra jamón. So I had an amazing experience at this beautiful bar. And we walked in and very small place. They had a few seats outside, two seats at a bar and an upstairs. There was no one in there at the time. It was around 11.30 or so, a little early to drink wine and eat jamón, but never really too early for that. We sat down. And the hostess explained the different hams that we had, the hamons, and explained the details in broken English slash Spanish. We figured out which was the right one. We selected it. It was very informative. They brought down the, the expert slicer who carved the different hamons on the plate for us. And we tried it and we just fell in love with this place. It was a very curated experience in terms of this is what Eric was looking for, not just to buy some, slap some hand on the paper and then leave, but really have the experience of this place is, this is what they do. They have a selection of hams and you can see the differences in between. There's things describing it. There's a selection of gourmet groceries that are specialties of the area and region. And then just the simple bar stool thing that people pony up to have a quick few slices of ham, a nice little drink or a cafe. It was a wonderful curated experience. I think you enjoyed it very much. Yeah. And we learned about this actually when we visited Lisbon, Portugal for the mm -hmm. first time that Hamon in Spain, they have these cafes and restaurants just dedicated to this one ingredient. And so that's what was just unique for me. I really enjoyed it. I have a blog. You can check it out called The Streets of Spain Are Paid with Hamon. So we'll put a link to that and check it out. Really love this place. So in Zaragoza, please stop by. Do yourself a favor. Stop by El Corte Gastro Bar and check out all the hamon you can, your heart desires. 
All right. And a couple standout experiences that I wanted to highlight. One, I did talk to you about those birds and I really love that bird. There was an extra bonus across from our Airbnb and that there was a little colony of cats living with ducks. <laughs> now, there were some like traditional ducks like you see in the States and there were some like these massive things. I don't quite know the breed. We'll post some pictures. You'll see it in my cat blog coming but it was a really cute little thing. You know, we would have our morning breakfasts, any leftover bread, we would bring it across the street to give to the ducks and to the pigeons that were always there. And it was really a nice little peaceful moment. Yeah, we have a ritual, at least in Zaragoza and in other cities. We'll visit the grocery store early in the morning. We grab our 39 cent baguette and some ham on and some yogurt drink and whatever's left over it's like okay there's these colony of ducks let's feed them in the morning and listen to the singing bird outside and it's a fun way to start the day last but not least would be the goya museum now the goya museum we got to visit something i didn't expect so i mentioned to you earlier that in zaragoza it was a uh, in between I didn't know that it was around the birthplace of Goya, who's known as an Aragon artist. And what this great this museum highlights is has a collection of his paintings, but what it really stands out and does the best with, I think, is the displays of his etchings. And you can see his more famous paintings and artworks at the Prado, but coming to this museum, the Goya Museum, you really get the feeling and the experience and the intimacy of his etchings. So he's known, of course, for his caprichos, and those are the takes on society with the little wicked creatures and everything. So cool. It's everybody's favorite. But they have some other series. He has a series as well about some civil war that was happening and also a series about bullfighting. And what you get from these experiences that is different is they're set like that you're looking down like you're reading a book. And as you peer onto these etchings, you are triggering a light that displays the description and it's in Spanish and in English so you can learn and read a little bit more. So it's a very one-on-one -on -one experience that I found that was really unique where typically in a museum you're competing maybe shoulder to shoulder to look at this painting and to absorb it all. But in this experience we're viewing the etching where your pressure or your foot is lighting this thing, it's meant to be experienced one-on-one. -on -one. And I felt like that was really a special way that you can get dive a little deeper into the mind of Goya. Yeah, and it wasn't the largest museum by far that we, we've seen on this trip, mm -hmm. but it was the smallest, I think one of the more quality curated museums on one particular artist. And they also had other artworks that were some of his inspiration, I believe, around the museum. Boutique Museum is about four levels high, but in the basement, uh, they had some really fun introductory videos and movies on Goya that you got a kick I'll, out of them. I'll <laughs> talk about that. So yeah, what was great is that they had like a little exhibits on El Greco or Little Velasquez, which is inspirations and some later century artists. But in the basement, they had videos that one was in Spanish, one was for kids in Spanish, and then another one was in English that explained a little bit about Goya's life and his artwork. Now, we were waiting for the English one, caught a little bit early, and we were sitting through the kids' version in Spanish. Turned out, that was the best one. <laughs> now, the only way I can explain this kids' version, it's an animated version, is if you took Tim Burton Coraline experience and you combine that with the South Park. So while both are pretty dark for a kid's thing, but it was wonderful graphics and they told the story of Goya, this kid dreaming in his school desk of Goya as he's learning about it. And then you see him wandering and scratching. So it was absolutely fantastic. I couldn't understand 
a lot of what was said. I knew pick out words here and there, but I took a couple quick pictures because it was so cute. Try to look at if I can find anything online. I could not find any video, but I'm going to tell you, this was the best thing that I've seen in a while. Yeah, it was really fun. So yeah, the Goya Museum, thumbs up, definitely. So Christy, just a few questions before we wrap this up. Was there anything about Zaragoza that surprised you that you didn't expect besides the fireworks and explosions going off in the middle of the day? <laughs> so I talked about what surprised me at the beginning about we got to Zaragoza basically because it was a layover spot. And the fact that this layover spot was its own little jewel was something that was truly surprising. It was a town that's not really known for anything in particular that outside folks would know, but it was super easy to navigate. It was easy to communicate. You got to experience a lot of different aspects of the Spanish culture and also the Aragon culture and gorgeous sites. And the people itself were very welcoming. Yeah, very welcoming, very friendly. Couldn't agree more and felt very safe walking around both during the day and at night. So what did you like best about Zaragoza and or what did you like the least? So what I like best usually doesn't have to do much with the city. It's something small, and that would definitely be the parrot and the kitties. I mean, I love it. I love it. I'm obsessed. Anyway, I can't guarantee parrots and kitties for everybody, but the other aspect of what it's really about is just the, not to say the small town, because it's not a small town, but it doesn't feel like an overwhelming city. It's mm -hmm. not the Leaning Tower at Pisa or the Madrid with the Prado Museum and the Plaza Mayor. It's really just its own little creature and it really has a wonderful, intimate experience and that's really what I love best. Yeah, it really felt like its own, its own had its own identity and it was very uh, walkable and easy to get around. So, yeah. Oh, what did I like least? Yeah, what did you oh, like what least? What did I like least? Uh... There was an interesting smell. I don't know if you remember, we came out the one day, there was a little bit of a sulfuric smell, maybe uh, by the the rivers a yeah, little bit. Yeah, but that's not really bothering me. I grew up Meyer. with a, a sulfur <laughs> well. I think part of it is sometimes if you don't get your timing right to siestas, when you want to eat doesn't work out. I mean, that you have to get your timing right between between siesta time and when to eat and what you can eat and when. And that's the biggest and thing. And that has think. to do with Zaragoza? That has to do with <laughs> Spain and everywhere, I think. But that's why I'm saying, like, in terms of what I like to leave, it doesn't really have to do with Zaragoza. It's just a lot of that cultural aspect. But I think we really had the struggle to find anything that we didn't like about Zaragoza. We really liked it and enjoyed it. So what would you plan to return? If yes, what else would you like to see or do when we return? Yes, I would return. I think the reason why would be that it's perfect aspect of being a crossroads to a lot of major cities. It's perfectly accessible to a lot of areas. It's within three hours of Bilbao. But something when I looked up about Zaragoza that it was about an hour's journey away from Pampelona, Spain and other some of these smaller cities that you would like to experience, but it's hard to pack up constantly. And I like this aspect. Yeah, and they do have their own airport as well. So you can fly once you're anywhere in Europe, you can fly to Zaragoza and spend some time They have his own well. airport? Yes, they do. I didn't see yeah, that. Yeah, Wizzair operates there. Yep. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah. So how much time would you recommend for visiting? Okay, I would recommend, depending on what you're looking to do, if you wanted to look for a small intimate trip, the four days that we did was good enough. We had three full days there. But about four to five days was good. And I think 
what I learned about this trip in Zaragoza is to be able to slow down and be able to experience what's around you. Because sometimes you're hunting your white whale, your Guggenheim Museum, and they're gorgeous and stunning. But there are some other areas that if you slow down and explore the city itself, it can be just as enriching. Yeah, Zaragoza is a great place to get the Spanish experience, I think. Wrapping it up, what have we learned today? When you take the time to pause to explore the in-between, you can get unexpected surprises. Zaragoza is at the crossroads of many more well-known Spanish cities, but definitely worth a visit. It's an affordable city by Spain standards, and there are tons to see and do. Be sure to visit the huge and interesting main Plaza España and the adjacent Mercado Central for amazing fruits, vegetables, meats, and tarone. Bonus tip, be sure to get an Airbnb with a kitchen. Next city is going to be Andorra La Vela, located in the small but mighty country of Andorra. Remember, our goal is to educate and inspire you to take your next adventure near or far. So what are you waiting for? Thank you for tuning in to Live Let Rome. Visit our website for more to see and read at liveletrome.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Simply search Live Let Rome. Our podcast is free wherever you listen. Be sure to subscribe. To support Live Let Rome, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Feel free to drop us an email at liveletrome at gmail.com and include your show questions, recommendations, or to share your travel adventures, and we may feature you on an upcoming episode. So until next time, get out and roam.